abide by this fucking recording session happening in my fucking kitchen. Space beef like, band, like, god damn like, it. She's hungry for Mongolia barbecue and dick. Basically, what's gonna happen is every week we're gonna offer to suck Mark and Steve, yeah, do you okay. realize how bad of an idea this was? This is an idiot show. This is our episode. Yeah, exactly. How backstreet boys? It's like, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? Oh, shit, we gotta be over here. here. <laughs> like, as a friend, <laughs> as a friend, come on, guys. An incredibly poor decision and literally betrays everything that the beef is about. Alright, this is the panic test. This is me panicking so hard. Oh, sweet baby Jesus, I'm panicking. <laughs> Two, one, action. Hey everybody, it's Ryan. We're here on the Lost Beat 6 podcast. Got Starcading on. Starcading, great to have you. Good to be here. Awesome. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about music, about videos, about all sorts of stuff and wherever else the conversation goes. So let's get right into it. Starcadian, man, it's so, it feels so weird calling you Starcadian. It's just like, I know you're a guy somewhere back there with a name. and it's just I know, like, it, it feels really silly uh, to have like entire conversations with Starcadian, um, but my real name is so uncool that I just can't, I can't let that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to pass judgment or anything. I'm, <laughs> it's not my place, but I mean... It, it's it's cool though. I kind of like that. There's a mystique behind it. You don't see that a lot these days that much anymore. Yeah, that was kind of one of my uh, um, not priority, but that was one of the things in my mind. I wanted to just shift the focus towards the music, and kind of try and avoid the theatrics, the live action theatrics as much. Uh, not make it so much about light shows and publicity photos and all that stuff, but focus on pure visual a pure audio that makes you see stuff in your head and then complement that with as many good uh, visuals and uh, music videos as i can possibly make by my own you know right so yeah i mean you have a little more control over the visual aspect of it by being able to do that in those videos yeah uh yeah basically me and uh my co-director rob o'neill we started uh with heart uh just as a four or five Five years ago, something like that by now. Yeah, I think I just jumped on the opportunity to just do all the visual effects. And since then, I've just been pretty much doing all of it, really, uh, as far as the editing and visual effects go. And yeah, like you said, it just gives me control to tweak it as much as I possibly can and blame myself for being late uh, for delivery. <laughs> and, you know. So so it's it's kind of good. It's being your own boss. You have your own accountability. Yeah, basically. It's uh, it's really kind of hard to treat deadlines with any seriousness if you're working off your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably the most important skill to acquire for anyone even remotely thinking about getting into music. It's Because you don't have a boss doesn't mean that you don't have a deadline. Um, that's that's a big big lesson to learn for right. sure. Yeah, it's kind of. Do you have sort of techniques that you use to kind of create a pet accountability with yourself and keep yourself responsible and and doing music and videos? Uh, yeah, 
I, I really, really don't want to do my day job anymore. And uh, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good motivator, I have to say. It's been working wonders. Yeah, I mean, uh, if Steve and Eric were here, they would absolutely second that. We're all on the same boat, I think. God, yeah. It's, yeah, it's rough. But, you know, um, I don't have the worst job in the world. It's just not the quite what I want to do with my life, which I guess sounds a little privileged, but I don't know. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's if no one's going to judge you for chasing what you want to do. I mean, some people might, but those people are assholes. So, I mean, don't yeah, worry about true. it. <laughs> um, that's true. Yeah, I mean, but so, well, you I mean, with respect to a day job, I don't want to get too much into it, but is that mostly music related or VFX related? Because you have, you obviously, you, you do both. Oh, I could talk about it. I'm, uh, I'm doing, um, I'm a 3D uh, art director slash VFX artist. So I work on uh, mostly commercials, but I've worked on some TV shows here and there uh, in New York. So I freelance from company to company, kind of like a hired gun doing animation, rendering, compositing, all sorts of stuff that I, the more I do, the more I learn, the more I use it's Arcadian videos, basically. Right. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. And that's actually how I met Rob, uh, again, the uh, co-director of Heart in Chinatown. He used to be my teacher. And then, I don't know, we just hit it off. And at some point, uh, he moved to LA, uh, started working at DreamWorks, and um, just frankly, frantically calls me one day. He's like, hey, dude, I got a, I got a cockpit. You want to make a music video? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, God bless him. He started it all. So, uh, yeah, he got a, uh, some friends of his uh, from DreamWorks. They shot some footage, sent it my way. Then I just did all the visual effects and a little back and forth, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, that's a great story. I, I list of sentences I don't expect to ever hear in my life is, hey, dude, I got a cockpit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just the cockpit, not the plane. <laughs> I know. Pretty... And, uh, yeah, I have to say every time we get together to shoot a video, it's one of the funnest times ever. Chinatown was scary funny. We almost got arrested multiple times. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the visual. Yeah, because we were shooting in L.A., LA mm -hmm. guerrilla style. I'm New York, so I have no idea that uh, you pretty much can't shoot anywhere there without a, a permit. Mm -hmm. So the, the shittiest deli store we would walk into, they're like, no, 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 you have to have a license. We're like, we're, it's a, like, you guys don't even seem like you're functioning as a deli store. <laughs> Why do you need a license? So, yeah, I mean, I, I have so many visuals just laser etched in my head of Rob with a camera on a, on a shoulder rig just running and going, Run! Get the fuck out! The cops are coming, and he's just <laughs> hauling ass, dressed like as a like a you know Java from Star Wars. It's, oh it's hilarious. Yeah, and then like <laughs> the, the amazing Seth Laird, who played Sergeant Tagaus, he kind of like, guys, please don't don't get me arrested. <laughs> God I mean, bless him. He he really actor. tolerated us. Yeah, yeah, he's true. an actor. Free headshot. <laughs> That's true. Uh, um, yeah, no, he was he was fantastic. Yeah, no, that was a, that's a great video. I mean, the way I found out about you was through Heart on uh, Reddit. Yeah, and, that was that was an unexpected blow up. That yeah. was a, that was a strange one. So you're a pretty active redditor. That kind of brings up that point of you know you're posting on there for quite a bit before that, contributing to different subreddits and everything. Did you kind of expect like, hey, you know, I've been on here a while. I've I've made some sort of internet friends, and they'll kind of or did it just like totally by chance? Um, honestly. Totally by chance. And I, I wish I knew how I did it. 
because I'd do it again. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's actually it's interesting. I um I'm I'm actually not American. I'm here on a green card, and oh. I moved in 2005, which is an interesting year because it was pretty much the year that Facebook, YouTube. Uh, started it was it was basically ground zero for social media and I'm not quite sure but Reddit might have started yeah Reddit started that year as well yeah the the weirdest thing so you know I was like young excitable in a big city and some some person or other was just like hey you should uh totally put your face on Facebook or you know read on Reddit and all that stuff I'm like oh, that sounds really stupid but I jumped on it pretty early um. And it was it, it, it was kind of a brave new world. It was just this wild west of like, hey, here's all these links, here's all this weird stuff. Oh, that's disgusting. And maybe I won't see that again. Oh, this has a lot of information that I thought was for people in the industry. And that's kind of where I focused. Um, there's a fantastic subreddit called We Are The Music Makers. Yes. W-A-T-M-M, I think. Like the nicest people are there. And... Not not to burn any bridges, but uh, people in the industry tend to be very secretive and they kind of hold their Rolodex and their industry secrets and their tools under lock and key, constant observation behind machine guns. You know, it's like very difficult to ask, like, hey, what's the, why do I why aren't my masters as loud as this or that? And no one's going to say, you know, it's actually just ozone and you play with the presets and then you learn what they do and eventually you get better at it but you do need mastering software mm -hmm. no they won't say that they'll just say like oh it's just hard work and just ten thousand hours malcolm gladwell says it's you know sometimes you need you know someone from the inside of the industry to just be like no nah, actually that this is all you need the rest is just you and that reddit subreddit um it was kind of shocking to me how uh uh, great some people were with giving out information like that that helped me massively so yeah as I was like doing music here and there I started posting on Reddit I posted actually uh, another music persona I had before that uh, on Reddit um, I got a massive eight upvotes which I thought that's it wow. I'm in man I'm Ooh, in the time. Re retire this I'm done <laughs> close Reddit down we peaked um <laughs> And, and yeah, and just I just kept going on. And then one night um, after I finished the video, I was working at a big company here in New York. And uh, bless his heart, the uh, head of 3D, I was like, hey, can I use your uh, render farm? Which render farm is basically a room full of computers that render pictures, 3D pictures. Right. Um, so um, I was like, hey, can I use this render farm at night? He goes, oh, yeah, sure, this is, we have no jobs going on right now. So I rendered Heart overnight uh, in this company's render oh. farm. Yeah, and then uh, kind of spent day and night uh, tweaking it, the rest of it at home. Posted it on Vimeo first, and it got staff pick, which was crazy. Uh, yeah. Back then, Vimeo was super young, too, and there were like 10 people. And one of them was into the 80s stuff. So you saw it and made it staff pick, it literally just like that. It was like, oh, that's cool. Let's just put staff pick on it. And that kind of blew it up, got the South by Southwest. And then I posted it on Reddit and it got like a second wave, um, which was nuts. And then I posted the album and, you know, yeah, and then Chinatown, et cetera. Yeah. 
with stuff like Reddit and Vimeo, obviously getting in early is a, it's a good idea. It's not going to hurt you for sure. But definitely, I would like to say, as a fellow contributor of We Are the Music Makers, it's definitely you get out what you put in. You know, it's important to ask as many, not just answer as many questions as you're asking or more ideally. But yeah, those guys are great. It's really, it's a great community. And I hope that we see more of that instead of what you were talking about with the music industry being all kind of insider lock and key sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, we're living in interesting times right now um, where the old guard is kind of giving up the ghost and uh, independent is on the rise much more. Uh, It's way easier to call your bedroom an actual studio with a straight face and actually have the technical, like the software and the hardware to back it up fit in a tiny desk, you know? through Spotify, like a tune core, there's all these things that, well, you kind of don't need these, uh, you know, secretive uh, industry veterans as much. Before, I think it, it's not, not, obviously not all of them, but I have noticed that there's a certain amount of self-mythologizing by keeping it secretive, which is, you know, not necessarily the best way to conduct yourself, I think, uh, in respect to the newer generation and what they could offer to things rather than, no, this is, this is our corner of the sandbox. You can't come in here unless you know the password. Uh, what's the password? Like, I'll never tell you like, yeah, kind of, all right, fuck it. I'll just go to my own sandbox. That's independent. Cause I don't really need this. Right. Yeah. Cause I imagine you, your videos have gotten a lot of views. I imagine you kind of get hit up about you know music stuff oh how'd you get your video noticed how do you get yourself out there we've had that our past guests have all pretty much gotten that as far as you know composers and music people go do you do you ever get any of that or uh here and there i would say it's actually it's it's interesting um uh, yeah there's there's a lot of views um but you know i still have a day job it's not quite it doesn't quite translate into millionaire status or anything like that um what it does is it's afforded me, um, uh, you know, several thousand people that are pretty, pr- pretty consistent fans. And I know what, I know how my music touched them and I know what they need and I can use that to inform what I do. Um, there's, it's kind of like a friendship with a bunch of people you've never seen before in your life. That's that's the biggest getaway from it, um, really. Uh, views, I don't know. I have to say that lately, I'm sorry, I'm rambling because I'm kind of that's a that's like a a big subject that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Sure. Ev- ever since Heart, actually, it's I think social media and views and all that stuff has gotten blown out of proportion and gotten oversaturated to the point of comedy where you see people that have billions of views but you've never heard of before and if you're trying to make music you're constantly listening to Spotify and stuff you're like I don't know who you are but you have 25 million views or you have oh you have 2 billion views that's interesting uh, a quarter of the planet has heard your stuff on YouTube that's that's very cool and then you start realizing that what's happening it's all bought uh, accounts, bought views. It's, there's a whole like social uh, sub industry 
that you know promotes likes and all that stuff, click farms. And it, once you see that happening, you just you kind of lose the allure of promotion and stuff, and just realize that if you have 500 followers, right, mm-hmm. and you get 450 likes, that's so much better than someone that has a million followers and 10,000 likes. Right. That's that, that's garbage. Like, so fucking what? You got a million followers. Well, all right. Well, 99% of those are not real. Like, you have 400 people that actually get what you're doing and like it. That's, even if it's 50 people, that's amazing. That's that's what any musician wants, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and they won't be fair weather kind of fans. They'll be like, oh, this is kind of what I'm into. This is my jam. And they'll, they'll hopefully they'll stick with you, you know? Yeah, ideally, sure. I mean, we actually had some friends uh, on the show a while back who kind of tackled this, and they kind of mentioned that, you know, hey, we could kind of, because the, the live music scene in L.A. is pretty rough as far as actually getting people to come to your shows unless you're already fairly established or have a fan base. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite difficult. Um, a lot of it is DIY, is a lot of the really successful shows as far as, you know, at the lower levels. You know, the all the legendary venues on the Sunset Strip are really not a hot spot anymore. Still have some places in Silver Lake, Echo Park, kind of uh, those kind of areas that still get huh. some traffic. But, yeah, it's, it's really tough. And, uh, you know, our friends were saying they were kind of getting at, you know, it's kind of better for us if we just go and live stream on Facebook or Instagram or something, and we already have hundreds of followers on there. Might as well just get them, to, you know, at least at least 50 of them to go watch it as opposed to, you know, having maybe five to ten people come out to our show in real life. So it's kind of, and it's kind of sad because you want that live experience, but they'll, they'll get there. It's just a, the, the path to that now is sort of, you know, go digital first, and you can get more people to show up that way. It's kind of weird. That's really interesting because um, I was I was having drinks with a, a really good friend of mine. Uh, it's called Bright Light, Bright Light. He's amazing. He's like the nicest man in pop. He's worked with like Elton John and Alan Cumming. It's insane. Uh, the guy's super talented, and uh-huh. I love picking his brain because he's he's pretty su- pretty successful. And this year has been so strange, and I've wanted to ask him about live shows and uh, what his opinion on it is. And I'm I kind of got the same ambivalent kind of. They're all they're amazing. They're super fun. You connect with people, but it can be rough. And I've kind of shied away from uh, too much live. I've played I've played a few shows around New York. I actually played one show uh, for a party at NASA in uh, DC, uh, which was super super fun. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it was only for like fifty people, maybe tops. I uh, might be saying too much. And then we got it was a uh, Yuri's party, which is uh, basically a party by a bunch of NASA employees uh, celebrating Yuri Gagarin every year. Yeah, and then we got like a tour of the NASA facility. It, it was that was ridiculous. That was just too much. Um, super amazing people. Yeah, that sounds awesome. But it must have been like 40, 35 people. One of the best, most fun nights I've had in my life. Last show I played um, was in the park in Williamsburg. Off the the back of a pickup truck (laughs) is the most it's the most sci-fi thing you could ever imagine. It was like production quality, you know, off the wazoo. 
Um, <laughs> it was it was pretty funny, um, but it was really fun. You know, again, not too many people, uh, but that's always kind of been <clears throat> one of my fears that I'm like, you know, I'm going to set up this live show. It's going to be like LEDs everywhere, fucking smoke. I got the I'll have a Starcadian mask. I got this like IR um, thing where I can play air synth in the middle of, you know, in front of me. It's all this cool stuff. <laughs> and then 10, 10 fucking people show up and, you know. <laughs> I'm just sitting on stage like, I wonder if I can kill myself if I inhale the smoke <laughs> machine right now. Just, you know, oh God. speed that shit up. <laughs> Not a great feeling, yeah. We, we've all been there, certainly. But, yeah, it's it's a little rough out there. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to translate a digital following into a live following. And it's definitely, I mean, probably easier to get views and likes than to get people to actually show up these days. Probably. And, uh Shit, I mean, uh, I have to, <laughs> that scene in Chinatown uh, where I'm in a nightclub. Yeah, there were there were maybe ten people, maybe ten people, wow. and I think I'm being generous. Uh, the rest are fake. I comped them in because this was before the album came out, but I still yeah. had the buzz from Heart, and still like maybe five fans showed up, and one guy that I met that morning at Guitar Center who sold me a, 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 a laptop stand, super nice guy. And he was like, oh, you do music, what do you do? I showed him the heart video. And he's like, yeah, I'll totally show up in your video. He actually showed up. I was like, bless his heart, this guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was It was like maybe 10 people, the rest were fake. And that was my first taste of like, oh, it's actually really rough to, to get it going. You have to kind of piggyback on some bigger show, like, a, you know, not festival, but one of those like EDM nights where it's just a bunch of acts. It's weird. Yeah, well, uh, kind of scary. Yeah. Well, I'm have, first of all, let me say that congratulations on coming to LA and then getting someone that you just met in LA to actually come to your show because that is a very rare occurrence. That's what I thought. I was like, it oh, is. this guy must be really nice. No, it, and I think it was been. the I think it was like the Sunset Boulevard Guitar Center too, which is like, oof, this is. This is kind of where life ends, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think it was Sunset Boulevard, LA, somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, it was that yeah, one. Th there is that one, yeah. Man, yeah. So, yeah, first of all, congratulations on that because that is nearly impossible <laughs> in this town. People always thank say they're going to come you. to your shows, and they don't. But, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 yeah, you found a, a shiny training card equivalent of a human being. Yeah, holy uh, shit. So, yeah, but, uh, and then the second of all, my reaction to that is, you really stretched those ten people, because <laughs> I yeah. did not know that at all. I was I'm pretty blown away by that. Oh my god! It was like one night I was frantically looking through stock footage websites of green screen, uh, where people weren't dressed in stupid looking afros or waving pom poms. Like someone looking like they're dancing, and like remotely sexily, any kind of sexy dance. Um, so. <laughs> I ended up having to paint some of them because one of them was like the outline of a stripper. I'm like, why? Why is anyone even selling this? Who needs a stripper outline? But okay, never mind. <laughs> so I, I took that and I kind of painted and make it more normal, multiplied it, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's the <laughs> they should have done to get these videos done is <laughs> amazing. Uh, just pure force of will sometimes. Yeah, gee, that that really uh, speaks to ingenuity right there. Um, even interspace, that was, uh, that was, that was a cherry on the cake, honestly. 
we, me and my best friend back home, um, we broke into a compound because we're like, I was thinking, oh, I have like this thing I want to say about music right now, the big metaphor because I'm so fucking smart and I want it to be post-apocalyptic, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay, well, there's this super awesome dilapidated place, but it's fenced. So we literally the same day uh, I came up with storyboards and uh, next day we get a backpack, we dress up, jump the fence. And I'm like, I just dress up and I go, all right, just shoot, just shoot me dancing, whatever. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, just make sure it's high shutter speed so I can add visual effects later. Mm -hmm. So we get it and I edit it in one night and then I see it and I'm like, damn it, this needs a, this needs like a, like a guy from that movie. Uh, uh, what was it called? Dirt, Dust Devil, I think. It was like an 80s movie with Paul Weller. It just needs a post-apocalyptic kind of guy looking around. So we we hire, we hire call my friend who was in the army, and um, he was on shore leave. And we're like, hey, you want to be a Mad Max kind of dude for like a day? <laughs> he goes, yeah, all right. I'm like, okay, this is really important. Dress like you're a post-apocalyptic ravager. So put on your boots Put on anything dirty, you know, messed up. You're in the army. You gotta have something messed up. I'm sure of it. Got it. No problem. Shows up in fucking shiny Adidas the next day. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> uh, thankfully, I grabbed a bunch of stuff from home. Um, but like, yeah, and like a Christmas sweater and t uh, like clean jeans and I, I, I actually painted his boots in. In one shot, you can kind of see his feet, and they're, like, dark. It's a silhouette. Uh, they were Adidas, and I had to paint the boots in. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and then also I had tracker tracking markers on my face. I could put the 3D face, but then they didn't, didn't work out, so I manually animated the face for every shot and then composited it in and then did the roto, which means I painted frame by frame the right. hood, so it fell in front of the face. Um, this was all this post work was done in January. Uh, a, like over this basically the video was done in a month. Uh, I slept like three hours a night at that point. Just like, oh, gotta get it done, gotta get it done. Um, yeah, just because I basically because I wanted to get it done and come back from work, slam the computer with what with you know. CG renders and all that stuff. Wake up, go back to work, do the same thing again. So yeah. Jeez, man. I mean, yeah. I I, I don't want this to sound like an insult or anything, but you seem like quite the perfectionist. Like, you like to fuck with the pixels. Oh my god, I'm so happy you said that. Pixel fucking is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so for anyone who doesn't know what that is, uh, at least in the commercial world. A pixel fucker is usually a director or an art director, and they'll just kind of, you know, hunch over you and look at your screen, and they'll be like, hmm, what? Well, <laughs> you know that pixel behind that other pixel? Could you make it smell blue but look orange? Oh, God. And yeah, that's – and this is basically what 3D artists do. This is what audio engineers do. It's just – take a child's rantings and somehow turn that into valuable feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so we call these people pixel fuckers because they will like 
fuck something down to a pixel out of wow. every inspiration it had. <laughs> well then, we um, learned something new today. <laughs> yeah, about uh, fucking with pixels, but yeah, that, that are you gonna when, let us know when you release the the new single "Pixel Fucker" by Starcadian? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a missed opportunity. That should have been my name. Uh, yeah, Pixel um, Fucker. <laughs> yeah, but like all the vowels are gone, you know, because oh, that's a, that's a cool that. thing. So it's like, it's <laughs> cool. <laughs> There's like a kind of sounds like a just sounds like a fart. Yeah, yeah. There's a video on YouTube now that has just like some guy. Just saying the names of all those bands with no vowels in their names. Oh my god, yeah. It's pretty That's it's my pretty favorite. Yeah. My favorite is that and people that take a celebrity name and switch the first letters. It's right. just so it's so awesome. I wish people <laughs> would keep doing that because, you know, Huston Doffman, fuck it, why not? Comtrues. We've, you know, we've eliminated everything in culture at this point in 2017. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's just keep doing that until we implode. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, Fuck yeah. God. I mean, oh, maybe if you get big enough, you'll, we'll see a car stadium. Oh my God. I still, I, I already, I shouldn't say this. Fuck it. I'll say it. Say it. One of my joke. One of my jokes is that, you know, if this doesn't work out really and never becomes a full-time thing, I'm just going to do dubstep. But oh God. by the time I get to, oh, well, I'm not done yet. I hope that's not the sound bite. <laughs> but by, by the time I get to do that, it will have evolved so much or de-evolved so much that it'll be fart step. So oh I'll God. just go by fartcadian and it'll just be a bunch of fart sounds because honestly, it's kind of where we're headed. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> uh, well, then, uh, <laughs> I don't think you're necessarily wrong and I don't think any of my colleagues who are not here right now would disagree with you either. Yeah. I, I certainly think that could be the way it's going, but <laughs> that kinda... was a little dark. I'm sorry. That's no. uh, there, there's hope. There's beautiful music out there. That's just like my personal dark joke. <laughs> no, we we love the dark shit here. So keep it coming. This is this is great material for us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where to go from that. Um, I know, right? Yeah. Where? How do you top fart, Katie? And what? Where? Where do you? Where does that? Uh, where does that lead to? Yeah. No, actually. Plus, I, you know what? I beat everyone to the joke. So fuck you, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the haters. Yeah. <laughs> you already, you already I'm the biggest hater. Head. I'm my own biggest hater. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. I think. I know. Steve Hence is really perfectionism. Gonna, <laughs> Steve is really gonna appreciate this when he's when he's editing it because we are definitely all about the self-loathing artists. Um, oh man, any serious artist is. And so I just to get back to your point about pixel fucking and perfectionism. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the reason why the album is kind of taken so long <laughs> and why now it's split up into two albums because oh. so I did the sat I did Saturdays did all that stuff and I kind of started noticing this was before Stranger Things season one came out. I started noticing like, oh, cool. Everyone's kind of doing this 80s thing now. And it's like everyone's got that baseline, the dun, 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 dun. And like, OK, that's kind of not cool. Everyone's like Chrome. I've said the whole synthwave thing just got a little. I don't know. I just kind of smelled it from a distance back then in like 2015. I'm like, I don't really want to do that that much anymore. Right. So I kind of took a breath and was like, I, I got to find I, I if if anything, for me, I have to make it fresh. I have to find some new, interesting angle to this. Like, yes, I'm always going to be inspired by the 80s, but I'm not going to make 80s type music all the time. It doesn't that's just it just happened to be that, you know. So I kind of went through this crazy 
spiritual journey. I learned Bitwig. I relearned a bunch of software. I I tried all sorts of sound styles. All all the whole shebang. Like just went completely Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now. Okay. And I I exited with about twenty songs. And I'm like, there's a clear line between these two uh, songs. And by the way, I wrote uh, the story to the fictional movie that this album is a soundtrack of before yes. I wrote the songs just so I knew my kind of I had to build my own reference right and know uh, what uh, limitations I had uh, so I wrote the story and then like 20 songs came out and I'm like I, this can't be a 20 song album first of all no one fucking buys 20 song albums anymore because right. no one buys albums anymore uh, secondly uh, there's there's a clear separator between the two one is more of a kind of a love letter to all all my favorite artists and what they mean to me and what their sound means to me. And the second one is a more futuristic, uh, more looking towards the future take on what's going on right now. So Midnight Singles, which part one, which is probably out by the time people are listening to this, is more me taking all the timeless songs that I love and trying to find a way to kind of mix that with what's going on now or what could be going on in the future. Mm -hmm. And then the second part is going to be geared more towards that. Uh, together, it's going to make uh, a kind of giant double album. Uh, but that's going to come in 2018 so far. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's good to hear. It's like it's, It took like two, two and a half years, three years, I think, since the last one. But there's, you know, there's a reason. There's a whole lot of stuff coming. <laughs> well, that, that's certainly, yeah, as long as it's worth it, I think uh, people will be cool with that for sure. But, yep. um, yeah, I, I actually am kind of curious about what you're talking about with the whole, because I have noticed it too, the whole synth wave thing, the whole outrun and all that stuff is getting all popular. And, yeah, the whole 80s aesthetic has been, it's been on the rise for a couple of years now for sure. Um, in it's all, been for a while, yeah. Yeah, in all art forms, video games, movies, music. Um but that kind of brings me to a point where I'm kind of curious because obviously you're you're informed by that and and you've you've talked about that in the past. Uh, it turns out you have interviews that you've done uh, <laughs> otherwise. Um, oh, really? I did, I did research on this a little bit. <laughs> hmm. um, but you you've kind of said like um, you know you you were concerned about falling into nostalgia chasing and um, you know do you think you've avoided that? Do you have certain ways that you plan to avoid that or how you kind of keep out of, you know, just being kind of a nostalgia bomb for people? Um, I mean, it's definitely not up to me to say if I've avoided it as successfully or not. Here's the thing. I did not know electronic music from my own face uh, when I was doing like Sunset Blood, like while I was writing Sunset Blood. I didn't even know what an oscillator was. So I was just kind of learning as I went along. So I'm sure by now, I dare not listen to my own stuff at this point, but I'm sure by now it sounds like total nostalgia shit. I, I, I couldn't tell you. But I know that at the time I was just like making uh, sketches left and right, making sketches, making sketches. And then eventually I was playing them for a couple of people. And I remember to this day, my brother listened to one song, which ended up being super symmetry. And he was like, it's, this is this is two eighties. You gotta you gotta bring some now to it. Hmm. And like ever since he told me that, like I've kind of went through every song with a fine tooth comb, and I'm like, okay, it can have like a vintage synth thing. It can have this or that or the other, but it can't be 
just a throwback. That's the thing that I think right now is a little bit corrosive and a little bit of uh, opium for the masses to some degree when it's people that just straight up want to make a John Carpenter song. And don't get me wrong, I I love John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I don't know, somewhere between reminiscing over E.T., having fucking Trump in the White House and like idolizing the fucking 80s were like the drug pandemic and the, the shitty crime in New York and the Gulf War right after, like, I think we're not, we shouldn't be idolizing some of that stuff. You know what I mean? And their connotations are necessarily not the best. Like some of them, some of them was amazing music made back then. But I think people are just loving more uh, the concept of the 80s, which I think is a bit of a slippery slope, Mm -hmm. rather than songs that were really good, but they just happened to be from the 80s, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, we we're very we here at Lost Beat Six Industries. Um, we're very critical of people who the internet refers to as the wrong generation. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. So you want to kind of avoid that, but at the same time, it's cool to be informed by stuff you love and you grew up with, or even if it was a little bit before your time too. You know. I, I, I think I think you have to be right. Of course. I mean, you're not going to not be. You're not going to start from scratch and have a blank slate and create a whole new type of music it's going to come from somewhere so i mean here here's the way i see it yeah i mean i totally agree with you i mean the reason i think it's a fine line is because put it this way like you were born in the 40s and you watched hypothetically and you watched uh yeah flash gordon robert fleischer cartoons art deco metropolis you can make star wars or you can make flash gordon the 70s movie mm. and for anyone that's seen that don't come at me, don't at me with the kitsch and the fucking, <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. Fuck you. Stop. Just stop. It's not a great movie. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. It's not a great movie. And my point being that you can take something that you grew up with, same way Spielberg took 50s and culture and all that stuff. George Lucas took 50s and all that culture. Uh, Brian De Palma took Hitchcock and did his own thing. Yeah. You can take you can take it and transform it into something new or you can just be like, hey, remember this stuff? Here it is again. Oh, yeah, that's and, not good. And that's, you know, it's here and there you get that vibe from some of the, the, the synthwave stuff. And I don't want to be critical. Like if you if you spend your time after work or after school or wherever and you put the time in at the, at the sacrificing friendships, relationships, jobs at the altar of what you want to do, then I'm not going to talk shit about it. Like, I'm going to respect the fact that you do it because I know how hard that is and soul sucking and how immense the relief is when you put it out there and even one person likes it. Yeah. But I I just think that as, and I've argued this with a lot of my friends, I truly think that the smallest of the biggest artists have a moral responsibility to put out something out there that either contributes or improves what's come before. If you don't think you're doing that, and if you don't want to do that, don't fucking do it in public. Like, <laughs> keep working, on, keep working on your stuff until you think this is something I want to add to the thread. You know, it doesn't matter if people, if all the people, no one's, not all the people, are going to like your stuff. But what I'm saying is, you have to come from the point of view that 
you know, music and movies and all that stuff, it's it's a tapestry. So learn how to sew and learn how to what people have done before and how maybe you can add a little twist to it rather than just, you know, copy the same, same 